0: Welcome to the Light of God's Word broadcast, a broadcast that shines the light of God's Word through expositional teaching of the Word of God. This broadcast is a ministry of Lighthouse Independent Baptist Church in Lewisburg, Tennessee. You can find out more information about our church at www.lewisburglighthouse.com. Hello there, and thank you for taking a portion of your day and spending it here with us on the broadcast. If you have your Bible, I invite you to open it to 1 Corinthians chapter number 3. 1 Corinthians chapter number 3. We'll be looking at verses 18 through 23 today. The Bible says here, "...let no man deceive himself. If any man among you seemeth to be wise in this world, let him become a fool that he may be wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. For it is written, he taketh the wise in their own craftiness." And again, The Lord knoweth the thoughts of the wise, that they are vain. Therefore, let no man glory in men, for all things are yours. Whether Paul, or Apollos, or Cephas, or the world, or life, or death, or things present, or things to come, all are yours. And ye are Christ, and Christ is God's. Last week, we began talking about this shunning of worldly wisdom, And the issue that Paul was facing here, as a little bit of review, is that the Corinthian believers were trying to mesh together the wisdom of the world and the wisdom of God. And because of this, many believers were deceived. And so Paul gives a straightforward command in verse 18 to let no man deceive himself. And by the way... The most deceptive person to us is ourself. The heart is deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? The Old Testament teaches us. And so we have to be careful that we're not deceived by ourselves. Let no man deceive himself. And then the cause is the fact in verse 18 that they believe that the wisdom of this world was something to be cherished. And that's not necessarily the case. And so Paul says the way to counter this is to become full in the eyes of the world that you may be wise in the eyes of God. And then we finished off last week talking about the fact or beginning to talk about the fact that Paul then began to condemn condemn this deception. Uh, In verse 19, the first part for the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. And so Paul makes it very clear here that the wisdom of this world that leaves out God and the gospel is given much praise by the world. But in God's assessment, it is foolishness. It's foolishness. Paul gives some examples to support his argument that the wisdom of this world is folly or foolishness with God. First, Paul quoted Job chapter 5, verse 13, to support his argument that the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. Verse 19, for it is written, He taketh the wise in their own craftiness. Now, in this passage in the book of Job, Eliphaz said that God was like a hunter in catching Job as he caught the wise in their craftiness. Now, Job was caught in the trap of his own human reasoning. He was thinking through his mind and according to his reason rather than understanding and accepting the wisdom of God. And when we as people act according to the wisdom of the world, many times we think that we are enlightened. In fact, that's what's behind a lot of the agendas that are against what the Bible teaches. But meanwhile, these people who are living in bondage to sin live believing that they're enlightened. They are deceived, and the wisdom of this world says you're doing great, but the Word of God says it's foolishness. Then Paul quotes uh, Psalm 94 verse 11 to support his argument that the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God, when he said, And again, the Lord knoweth the thoughts of the wise, that they are vain. In this passage, God asserts that he knows what the wise are thinking. And he declares that what he knows they are thinking is indeed vain. It's futile. In other words, God is mocking them who believe they're safe when they rebel against him. I think of the so-called new atheists, as they're termed many times in this regard, and there's just been this resurgent in in recent days, it seems, of atheism with some very outspoken voices and then also some not as outspoken voices, but they love to debate Christians on the existence of God. They love to debate Christians on Christian issues. Uh, But what's amazing is they seem to be very arrogant and sophisticated. Why? Because they are deceived because they are wise in their own eyes. And yet, the Bible says the Lord knoweth the thoughts of the wise, talking about the wise of the world, they are vain. They mean nothing. It's empty. And so now, in the latter part of this chapter, Paul deals with the discipleship of believers. They've been deceived, but now we need to look at the discipleship. Believers are disciples of Jesus Christ. We discipline our life according to the teachings of Jesus Christ and His Word. However, the Corinthian church Christians were making themselves, instead of disciples of Jesus Christ, they were making themselves disciples of human leaders. Paul brings up this subject once again of division in the closing verses of this chapter, and he ha- he's having to do so because of the truth that the Corinthian church was making themselves disciples of human leaders instead of Jesus Christ. We find verse 21, verse A, therefore let no man glory in men. Now, the Corinthian church, they were choosing one of the leaders that they most admired, and they wanted to be identified with them, and they were boasting in men, such as Paul and Apollos and and Cephas, which is another name for Peter. Now, here's the problem with this. When we boast in men, we are setting ourselves up for disappointment. And you say, why? Well, first of all, men are human. Men are sinful, men are not perfect, men make mistakes, and the reality is, as human beings, we do not always do the right thing. But to contrast us with the Holy God, we find that He is, he is divine. He's perfect. He never makes mistakes. He always does the right thing. He's, he's, he's perfect. So men should never be glorified. Only God should be glorified. And therefore, all of our boasting should be in Jesus Christ and not men. In verse 21, for all things are yours. Now, this is a very comprehensive statement. In fact, Paul says it twice in this verse and in the next. And the language of this expression comes from Stoic philosophy. It originally described wisdom as a mastery over all that one encounters. And Paul used this saying to encourage the Corinthians to gain a proper Christ-centered perspective on their lives. If they become people of spiritual wisdom, they would see that everything that they have is given to them in Christ Jesus. All things are Christ's inheritance, and Christ shares his inheritance with all believers, Ephesians chapter 1, verses 10 through 14. And the gifts that the Corinthian Christians received were boundless. So what was included in this possession of discipleship? First of all, the evangelists were included. Look at verse 22, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas. These men, as Paul said in 2 Corinthians 4 5, were merely their servants for Jesus' sake. Paul and Apollos and Cephas, they were not meant to be viewed as men seeking following from the groups in the churches. That's not what they were there for. They were simply being obedient to the call of God upon their lives and were gifts that God had given to the believers for their edification. Notice the environment, verse 22, or the world. The church is joint heirs with Christ, Romans chapter 8, verse 17. Of all that is his, and this includes the world and the entire universe, The existence was included. Look at verse 22, life or death. Life is theirs as believers through Jesus Christ. And as one preacher said, and death is the servant of the Lord to usher me into the presence of the Lord. Life or death. Verse 22, the last part, or things present or things to come. The present that we're living in now has to do with God's providence And the way that he indeed works all things out together for the good, to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. And so the future has to do with the glorious hope that belongs to believers. Verse 22, all are yours. The third thing we need to notice about this discipleship is our position in discipleship. Believers have a distinct and blessed position in being saved. Those verse 23, and ye are Christ. He is the Savior. You don't belong to preacher so-and-so or missionary so-and-so or evangelist so-and-so or such-and-such college or even such-and-such church. You belong to Jesus Christ. And a disciple of Jesus Christ is a follower of Jesus Christ. Now, the issue many times is people begin to follow men and fail to follow Jesus Christ, who is their Savior, As believers, we now belong to Jesus. I like the old hymn, Now I Belong to Jesus, and Jesus Belongs to Me. We are His blood-bought possession. We are His treasure. We belong to Him. He's our Savior. And because of that, it brings us security. Verse 23, And ye are Christ. Now, I said that Jesus is our Savior and that we belong to Jesus, and this is one of the greatest blessings of salvation. But I want you to notice this. Our security and salvation is Jesus Christ. Because we belong to Jesus, we are secure for all eternity. The reality is this. Jesus is Savior, and Jesus is keeping you as a believer. That's why there's security. I had someone ask me one time, uh, they were just talking about this with their brother, and they just felt like they didn't have the proper answers, and so they asked for some help, and they said, my brothers want to know, can he lose his salvation? And I told him, I said, most of us can lose about anything, but the problem with this... Thought or this question is the fact that just as it's not your works that gain your salvation, it's also not your works that keep your salvation. Jesus Christ keeps us. We don't have to keep him. Once a person becomes a Christian, he or she is kept safe for all eternity. Why? By Jesus Christ. Jesus said this no man can pluck you out of his hand. And so we have a very secure position in Jesus Christ. And because of that, we need to be submissive to him, just as he is to the Father. Just as we belong to Jesus, there is a sense in which Jesus belongs to God. And of course, we know Jesus is God. And our blessings are absolutely secure because Christ's position is secure. When it comes to God, the gospel, and eternal issues, the only truth that we have is found in the Word of God. I'm going to take just a moment here today and ask you a question. What kind of relationship do you have with the Word of God? What kind of relationship? You know, oftentimes we talk about the Word of God as our food, our spiritual food. Can I ask you a question? Could you survive on the same number of physical meals as you do spiritual ones? Can you survive with the amount of food equal to the amount of time you put in the Bible? If not, I encourage you. I'm not here to chide you. I'm not here to beat you up. I'm here to encourage you. Get in the Word of God where you'll find spiritual nourishment. I find oftentimes when people doubt their salvation and begin to think that they can lose their salvation, there are a couple common denominators that I find when people get to this position, but one of the most common is they don't read the Bible. And the whole time, all week, maybe all day, maybe for months, maybe for years, the devil is speaking doubt in their heart, and they never go to the Word of God where they find security, where they find uh, comfort. Paul's been teaching these Corinthians and us that the wisdom of God is far superior to world's wisdom. Well, where do we gain the wisdom of God? In the Word of God. And if you or I neglect to read and to study and to grow in the Word of God, then we are neglecting godly wisdom. And we're choosing to lean into our own understanding. In the book of Proverbs, trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not into thine own understanding. But when we, when we fail to consult the Word of God and allow the Word of God to change us, then we are saying no to godly wisdom and we're leaning into our own understanding. That's a dangerous place to be. Let us embrace the wisdom that God gives us in his word, and let us shun worldly wisdom. I know many times people will go, well, they have a good point. Yes, maybe it seems that way in human reasoning, but if it goes against what God has said, then it is wrong. And if it goes along with what God has said, then that's right, because what God says is true. The Bible tells us, let God be true and every man a liar. And the reality is many times people lie, I think, without intention. Why? They're deceived. And that's why Paul's writing to this church, so that they can understand they need to shun the worldly wisdom. Quit trying to marry the philosophy of the world with the wisdom of God. They are incompatible. They don't go together. And so you must go to the Word of God. I encourage you, grow in your Bible reading. Even now, today, take some time. Read a little extra in the Word of God and grow thereby. Think about what God is teaching you. I think about when you eat, you take that bite and you savor it. You think about the flavors and what you enjoy. Do the same thing with the Word of God. Oh, taste and see that God is good. Thank you for taking time and spending with us today. And remember this week to be a light to others so that through you they may see the glory of God.